This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 81, and we are recording on May 16th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Greetings. Hello. Welcome. I'm going to do my, Del- <laughs> my Delilah after dark voice. Delilah. <laughs> my mother, this is like a, so random, but at least it's not weather. My mother used to listen to Delilah after dark, like only during the Christmas season. Cause she likes the way that like Delilah makes the Christmas carols relevant to your family story. I don't like, even know what this is. You don't know Delilah after dark? No, I don't. It's a radio show that has been on for like 30 years. I really feel like she's the Anne Martin of radio. Mm, we're like, interesting. It's a different person who just happens to have an identical voice for the last three right. years. Right. And it's like part advice column, part soothing, like easy listening music recommendations. <laughs> it's just the most, I can, man, I don't even know how to, please help me, listeners, okay. explain <laughs> Delilah after dark to Jen. It's, and it's, it's after dark, but it's not. You know, skeevy. It's not it's like, quote unquote after dark. No, it's very sleepless in Seattle. Like that radio show that he calls into to right. find a wife. Right. Like that's yes. that's Delilah after dark. But with Christmas girls. All right. Well, <laughs> anyway, that was random. I uh, guess we, I guess we don't need to do our what we're reading now instead of that. Oh, no. I totally forgot. About that. No, no. I mean, I really now I have to go like look this up. It's a thing. We should. We um, should do it. We should do it. Okay. What, what are, right. Okay. We've decided that instead of talking yes. about the weather, we're going to tell you what we're currently reading <laughs> because that was getting boring. So go ahead yeah. and go. Okay. So I am reading um, a couple of things right now, but the thing that's going to come up again later, so I will abbreviate now, is What Is Not Yours Is Not Yours by Helen Oyeyemi, which is her newest short story collection, which is like blowing my mind. It's so good. Ugh, she's just so good. <laughs> like I can't, like I, I lose words because she's so good, but I'll have more words later about that. Okay. Um, I just finished last night, staying up way later than I should have, uh, The Prey of Gods by Nikki Drayden. Oh, that book you keep talking about. It's the weirdest thing I have maybe ever read. I don't know. So it comes out June 13th from Harper Voyager, and it's a sci-fi fantasy novel set in South Africa where, like, demigods walk amongst us and feed on your fear or feed on your belief in order to have power. Very like Neil Gaiman, American God sort of thing in South Africa. Mm. But it's near future. I think it's set in like 2052 or something like that. So like AI, robots, everybody has like an assistant robot and like it's a very automated tech sort of thing. Um, And then the gods like start using the AI to like control people. There's people take hallucinogenic drugs that awaken the genes within them that make people like realize that they are also deep down inside demigods. And like some of them are crabs and some of them are dolphins and there's like weird crab dolphin sex. And it's just really super violent and strange. And it has the creepiest little girl on the cover and it's just Mm. so good and page turnery and weird and I can't even, it's just, it's just the weirdest. Anyway, y'all go check that out. It comes out June 13th. So if you are new to the show, 
Um, like I said, this is a personalized reading recommendation show. So you can send us your email requests um, or drop your requests for recommendations in the form at the bottom of the show notes on the site. We will take any and all. If you need a request for yourself, for a gift, for your book club, doesn't matter. Just send them all in. If they are time sensitive, please note it in the subject line or in the first line of your post if you're using the form so that we can try to get to it on time. Uh, we might not answer you on the air. We might answer you via email or via a post on the site. If your question is too specific for me and Jen to really nail, then we'll take it to the contributors and create a post out of it. So just keep an eye on the site for that. And that's the show. So uh, we're going to read our first question, do our first sponsor, and then dive right in. So go, Jen, go. All right. Our first question is from Svati, uh, who says, let's see... She has two recommendation requests. Uh, This is the time of the year that I gravitate to mysteries. I'd love for you to recommend a good mystery series that is not just about solving the mystery, but also about the evolution of characters and the relationships among them. Sort of a literary fiction plus mystery combo. For instance, I've just finished the latest in Louise Penny Inspector Gamache series, and I loved it. And the second request is for my next fiction read. I leave it to you. What book have you read recently that you would give to a friend and say, you have got to read this now? My recent reads have been Swing Time, Everything I Never Told You, and The Nightingale. Bonus points for diversity. Indeed. Okay. Uh, Before we get to those, we have our very first sponsor, which I am delighted to do the read for because I really enjoyed this book. Um, It's Carry On by Rainbow Rowell, which is, I did not realize that this was true, but this is the first time that a Rainbow Rowell YA book is going to be in paperback, which, like, I guess is true. Eleanor and Park has never come out in paperback, right? Fangirl has also not come out in paperback. But now you can get a paperback of Carry On, and let me tell you, the cover on this book. So they got Kevin Wada, who, if you know comics at all, you have maybe seen his work, uh, to do the paperback cover. And it is bananas good. Um, It's really delightful. You should look it up. It's also very purple, which is interesting. Um, But I like it a lot. And carry on if you're not familiar. So in Fangirl, um, we got introduced to this Simon Snow character who's sort of a Harry Potter-esque. And the main character of Fangirl is uh, Kath is writing fanfic about Simon Snow. Well, this is an actual Simon Snow book. Um, It is what would be the last in the series. Um, And Simon Snow is like a terrible chosen one like he's not a good magician at all (laughs) and his girlfriend who's like perfect and beautiful has broken up with him and his mentor kind of is avoiding him and there's a magic eating monster running around and in the meantime Simon is just obsessed with his nemesis Baz and like where is Baz and he hasn't shown up and why hasn't he shown up and like all it it quickly devolves well no I'm not going to spoil it for you but it's (laughs) delightful so if you are in if you enjoy um fan fiction if you enjoyed harry potter if you enjoy magic school stories if you just love rainbow rowell all of these things are good reasons to pick up carry on so and and plus that cover it is lovely so go check that out and thank you so much for sponsoring the show all right will you do the first one will you give a mystery recommendation sure okay so we split this i took the mystery and jen's gonna hand sell you something awesome so the mystery that i picked for you for evolution of characters is cocaine blues by carrie greenwood which is the first book in the Franny Fisher series, of which there are, I don't, I should really look these things up before I start recording. There's like a lot. There are 14, <laughs> 17, 19, uh, 20. There are 20 in this series. So you have lots of character development ahead of you. Um, I love this so much. So Franny Fisher is like a flapper in 1928 in Australia. Um, she is the honorable Miss Franny Fisher. So she's uh, through a series of deaths in her family because of World War I, um, like all the men in her family have died. So she has inherited a 
very distant relative's title and uh, fortune. And so she was not raised that way. She was not raised in any sort of privilege uh, in Australia, but now that's that's her life. Um, she comes home to Australia. She's in, in London for the season, uh, you know, doing the wealthy lady thing. And then some friends of hers ask her to go back home to Australia and help save their daughter, who they think is being slowly poisoned by um, her husband for her money. So, like, when this woman dies, this husband will inherit all of her money. So, Phryne goes home to Australia to figure out what's going on. While she's there, she gets embroiled in, like, this back-alley abortionist thing that's happening and, like, solves a rape. And, oh, tr- trigger warning. There's uh, sexual assault. Um, and there's, um, what else? Like, of course, because of the name, as you can tell, there's, like, a cocaine smuggling ring. She takes up with some communists. She has, like, <laughs> it's just the greatest. And these, like, these two communist guys who, like, drive a taxi become her, like, gophers, like her kind of assistants or whatever. Um, and then they stay with her for a while. If you've watched the show, it's very similar to the show, except the Jack Friney relationship is not like that. So, like, the detective that she has a romantic involved with in the show is, like, 30 years older than her, is very happily married. That's not what's happening here. And the character in the book, Friday keeps, like, she's very... She sleeps around with no compunction, and it's awesome, and, like, her clothes are great. It's just a lot of fun. She's a really free-spirited, um, countercultural kind of character for that time period, and it's taking on a lot of very historically accurate uh, issues that are for some for reasons that I cannot explain, all of a sudden relevant again. So oh, it's boy. like, um, for a lot of reasons, like this is a great, a great pick, mostly for the communist cab drivers. So that's Cocaine <laughs> Blues by Carrie Greenwood. All right. I am going to recommend to you a book you've probably heard of, um, but I, I, I have found a lot of people need an extra push to pick this up. I, I think maybe just because it's long, but I'm going to recommend Homegoing by Yaa Jesse too, because you really do need to read it right now. Everybody needs to read it right now. Um, the reason specifically for you, though, is you mentioned evolution of characters and relationships among them. And in addition to being one of the best debut novels I've read, maybe ever, um, it's definitely in the top five of debut novels that I have read. Um, it is an epic, like, generational story, so you get a ton of different characters, and the way that she weaves them all together is, I thought, was exceptionally well done. Like, it's it's a lot of people, and you don't necessarily get to spend a lot of time with them, but she manages to encapsulate their character very well so that when you hit the next character, like, you feel like you're taking a part of that with you, and it informs, you know, the next generations. And... I mean, it's, you know, you've probably heard the plot. It is about the slave trade. Um, it starts in, well, what is now Ghana? Yes? Yes. Um, the, the Ivory Coast. Um, <coughs> excuse me, the Gold Coast. And um, it, it, it moves forward across the world, stays in Africa, and also um, splits off into America, and goes, like, maybe slightly into the future. Like, that last chapter is a little wiggliest in terms of when exactly it's taking place. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's epic, and it's beautifully written, and the characters are really amazing. And it is also, I mean, it's, it's a heartbreaking story for obvious reasons, but I think it was well worth it. And it ends on a really lovely note. So everybody should read it. Uh, you definitely should read it. I mean, you're a Zadie Smith and a Celeste Ng fan, so, like, for mm-hmm. sure, you should read Yeah, Jesse. So that's Homegoing by Yeah, Jesse. Co-signed. <laughs> it's so good. It's just great. And it's not it's as long as I don't as I think like Yeah. It's regular, like three fifty. I don't know. It's it's been very intimidating for people though, yeah. I'm finding. Like and then that's people the hear like multi-generational saga yeah, about slavery and they're like, oh right. god, I'm You're gonna like, cry. Oh god. <laughs> I mean gonna take and you me will, but like yeah. it's yeah, it it moves along, I thought. Anyway. 
All right. All right. Question two is from Rye, who says, I have Memorial Day week off. Congratulations. I have just finished Lilac Girls by Martha Hall Kelly and was entranced. I don't normally read books based on true events, but would love some recommendations about other true events. It doesn't have to be World War II or even the concentration camps, just something page turnery. The front of the book says The Nightingale, and I've already picked that up. Um, I have Memorial Day week off, so I plan to be reading a lot and also over the 4th of July week. Okay. I went back and forth on this one because, um, like, page turnery historical fiction anyway we don't need to get down (laughs) it's tricksy it's It's, tricksy it's a tricksy hobbit but i went with the book thief by marcus zusak which is um also world war ii historical fiction with a taste of fantasy the difference between this and most world war ii historical fiction that you will read is well it's both it's ya first of all or was marketed as ya in in the u.s that's that's a point of contention but um it's told from the perspective of death like death is the narrator of this book uh and he's following a little girl named lysol who i think is nine or ten when the book opens um it opens at a train station where her brother has died and death that's where like death is introduced to her uh he watches her like through the funeral she steals a book um, during the funeral, hence the title, The Book Thief, she goes on to steal books throughout the, throughout um, this book, not to get like meta. She's a foster child, so she's taken in by a German family um, who raise her. They teach her to read. They teach her to write. The mother is like this really sharp tongue, kind of verbally abusive character. The father is very loving. Um, she befriends a little blonde boy next door, et cetera. Then World War II breaks out. Her foster father is sent off to war, and a, a young Jewish man uh, comes to their house, like a friend of the family, and hides in their basement. Um, and so you're, you're seeing it from the perspective of death who himself is dealing with like what his job is like now that world war two has started. Um, and also the whole concept of the Holocaust and the war as told through the point of view of a little 10 year old girl and a German family. So it's a different perspective. Um, it is very sad. Like there's a lot, I mean, like any book about world war two is probably going to be cry inducing, but one told from death is just like extra, like what is wrong with humanity? You know, like you get down into those rabbit holes, but it's also page turnery. Like it's pretty thick. It's over 500 pages, but I went through it pretty fast. Um, so I think that would be a good fit. So that's the book thief by Marcus Zusak. I also have a world war two pick for you, even though you said it doesn't have to be, (laughs) but that's what I got stuck on here. That's what we know you like. So, I, well, you know, um, and so, and I'm recommending a book to you that we sold a ton of at the bookstore when I was there. It is Sweet Francais by Irene Nemirovsky. And this book is interesting both because it's a good book, but also the story of the author. So the book takes place in Paris um, right before the Nazis occupy it in 1940. And it tells, you know, the story of a bunch of different men and women um, and the ways that they're like dealing or not dealing with the occupation. Um, what... And then it goes from the city into a provincial village. So it moves around a bit from people and places and and has like a really cool um, multi-faceted view of this. Um, But what's also really interesting about this book is that, so Irene Nemirovsky was uh, a woman, a very successful writer living in Paris, and she was Jewish. And in 1942, she was arrested and deported to Auschwitz. So she, and and like the book, nobody realized she had written this book for like 60 some years. And then they found it and published it. So it's a very kind of like, you know, book in the cupboard that is based on, you know, actual experience that nobody knew about. And then it gets posthumously published. And I just think that's interesting and cool. Um, Like, what a great thing to have, you know, discovered this book and to be able to bring it to the world. So that's Sweet Francais by Irene Nemirovsky and Sandra Smith is the trans. 
Okay. Oh, this question. Okay, so this question is from Erin. I'm really like I have. I was really entertained by this question um, from Erin, who says, "In mid July, my awesome bridal party, four bridesmaids and two bridesmen, um, including my sisters, are going on a bachelorette trip to Monterey. Most of these folks have been in a book club with me at some point, and I would like to do a one-time book club during the bachelorette weekend. Looking for something not too long, 300 pages max, possibly a good sto- love story or about a happy marriage or something super." funny not anything depressing or brutal <laughs> so i just um oh no amanda you talk for a minute okay what happened was yeah <laughs> I, I don't read books about happy marriages <laughs> i have discovered because of this mm-hmm. question that aren't just like legit straight up romance novels which i was gonna go with a straight up romance novel but then i didn't know how weird that would be like reading a bunch of sex with some bachelor anyway um so i took this to the contributors because i was like i just don't have any idea um and so kathleen keenan one of our actually newer contributors recommended something that i thought would be really good it's the rosie project by graham simpson um and this is a big like very like blockbustery book that was super popular when it first came out um and it's about a professor of genetics named Don, who is somewhere on the spectrum. I don't know if they say it in the book exactly, like if if he's got a diagnosis, Um, but he doesn't really understand emotions. He doesn't think that he's really wired for romantic interactions. Um, But then his neighbor tells him that he would make a wonderful husband. He doesn't understand why anyone would think that about him. Um, But then he thinks that, you know, like based on statistics and the population of the planet, there's probably someone out there who would marry him. So he like puts together what he calls the wife project, which is an evidence-based like data collection project where he's going to go out and find himself, you know, a partner. And then Rosie, this girl Rosie comes into his life, who is everything that goes against his list. Um, She's a bartender. She's like a vegetarian, which he has a problem with. She's very unpredictable. She's always late. Um, but And she comes to him because she's looking for her biological father and needs like a DNA expert to help her, and that's what he does. Um, and so as they go on, he like puts the wife project on the back burner, takes up the father project to help Rosie, and the two of them fall for each other. So it's, you know, feel good, um, funny. Uh, so I think it would be a good... I don't know. You didn't say... I don't think you mentioned if you were going to do like a read aloud. No, you didn't say. If you're going to be reading out loud or not um, for this book club section of your bachelorette party but it if uh if you do it does have quite a few humorous bits so good either way so that's the rosie project by graham simpson so what happened with me was (laughs) i was gonna recommend the story life of aj fickery until i remembered like yesterday that that book starts out with a guy who is a widow and an alcoholic because he's so sad his wife died. And I was like, well, maybe that's not the right (laughs) pick for this question. So instead, I give you The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, which is so much fun. Um, It's like less than 200 pages even. And if you are going to be imbibing during your bachelorette weekend, this is also an excellent book to read um, while under the influence. It's just so funny. Douglas Adams is amazing. Um, You could also even make it a book-to-film book club. You could screen the movie as well if you felt so inclined, which is a delightful watching experience, I thought. Um, They changed some details, but I thought they stuck really true to the spirit of the book. Anyway, it's The Hitchhiker's Guide. Like, what? You don't need me to recommend that any more than I have already have. However, I do want to just throw out... Amanda recommended Rome... Mentioned thinking about romance, and I... 
There's a short story by Alyssa Cole. Maybe it's a novella. Anyway, it's super short. Called Sweet to the Taste that takes place at a wedding. Um, Callie, who is her best, uh, she is at her best friend's wedding. And she is making eyes at the hired singer. And um, they have a romantic interlude. And it's <clears throat> it's very steamy. Super <laughs> duper, super duper steamy. I don't know if that would fly with your like mixed company uh, bridal party. But if it would, it would be a delightful and very entertaining addition to your weekend. So that is Sweet to the Taste by Alyssa Cole. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. There's like, I well, I don't want to spoil it. Anyway, there's something interesting about the also, but I'm not, I'm not going to say. Okay. All right. Question four is from Aaron. Aaron says, I am currently a Peace Corps volunteer serving in Vanuatu. Van- Whoa. Uh, Vanuatu, I think. Thank you. I have never heard of that place. That's amazing. Okay. So while I have lots of time to read, I also have limited access to the internet and the outside world in general. I'm afraid that while I've been here, I've missed out on new and exciting books, especially the quiet ones that don't get a huge publicity push. Could you recommend books from this year that are definitely worth the time? Internet download speeds here are slow, but that I probably overlooked now that I live on a small small island in the South Pacific. I like almost everything, except right now I have a boycott on any stranded on a tropical island plotline, as that hits a little too close to home. Okay, um, I went with Penance by Kanai Minato, which is translated by Philip Gabriel. Uh, It's not... It's so good. It's a mystery thriller set in Japan, and it's not really getting, like, the buzz that I think that it should. It came out in Japan in 2009, but it was just published here in April uh, by Mulholland Books. So this is about four women, grown women, who are, you know, whatever, living their life. They, When they were children, they were best friends, um, and they had a new girl, like a new girl in town named Emily, who they befriended also. Um, and then one day, Emily is taken away from them by a stranger, um, and murdered, raped and murdered, and they discover her body. They wit- These four women, or the four girls at the time, witness, um, they don't witness the crime, but they see the man come up to Emily, take her away, they talk to him. So they're the only four people who see the person's face um, who, who did this thing, but none of them can remember, you know, they were like in elementary school when this happened, so they, they have a hard time remembering exactly what he looks like, describing him to the police, etc. Um, and so he's never caught. And the statute of limitations, at the time the book was written, there was a statute of limitations on murder, which was like 15 years, I think. So the statute of limitations is coming up. And there, um, Emily's mother, in a fit of grief um, after the crime, told the girls that if they didn't, re- like, didn't remember the identity of the killer... Um, before the statute of limitations is up, then they would have to perform some sort of act of penance that she could accept um, or she was going to like ruin their lives basically. And so they have all grown up with that like on their shoulders. And this book is about the acts of penance that they do uh, because they can't remember who the killer is because they were just children. And so they blocked it out. So it's a really disturbing, um, but just so engrossing and weird and creepy and so well-written. Um, I do not recommend it on audiobook if you're an audio listener. Uh, the narrator is, like, very chirpy and, and strange and cheerful for a book like this. Um, so, like, I was not into that. But this, <laughs> Seems wrong. I know. She gives them all, like, these really sing-songy, like teenage girl mm. stereotype voices where like all of their questions or all of their senses end in question marks and like that sort of uptalk thing. It's just mm. really obnoxious and strange. Um, and not, why would you be cheerful about this? But the book is really creepy and strange and weird and it didn't get nearly as much uh, push as I thought that it should have. So that's Penance by Kanai Minato by Philip Gabriel. 
All right, this is where I'm going to recommend What Is Not Yours Is Not Yours by Helen Oyeyemi. It got some buzz right before it came out, but then I felt like I didn't see anybody talking about it, mm. which is an act like, it's so good. It's a, it's just a shame. And it's from in the last year. It's not from 2017, but it's from 2016, so it counts, I've decided. Um, and it is stunning. Oh my gosh, every story in this book is a gem. Um, there is, <clears throat> excuse me, she's... She's doing her magical realism thing that she is so good at. Um, and there is a bit of a through line in that every story features a key in some way. Um, and some of the characters' names pop up unexpectedly in later stories. You're like, oh, that's a call out to that character from that other story. But they're really, they're completely separate. They take place in different places and different sort of kind of times. They're very surreal. Um, and they're just beautiful. And what I love most about them is that they never quite go where you think they're gonna go. So like one story opens and it's a guy watching his best friend's fish and you think like there's gonna be something weird about this fish. And then it's like no there's weird things about the doors in this apartment. Okay so it's gonna be about the doors. And then it's like no it's about the the fish watchers like teenage daughter's obsession with the singer who's done a horrible thing um, and is not really apologizing for it. And it just like every story kind of mutates as you're reading it. And it's a really cool reading experience they're just so good um so yeah i i would love to see more people pick this up um and i think it would definitely be worth your time uh and and i like i would love to ha be reading this like on a beach like that would be ideal so hopefully you can make that happen for you uh, <laughs> so this is what is not yours is not yours by helen oyeyemi Okay, before we move on, we're going to do our second sponsor, and that is The Spectacular Sisterhood of Superwomen, Awesome Female Characters from Comic Book History by Hope Nicholson. Uh, this is from Quirk Books, and it is out. It came out at the beginning of May. Uh, the tagline is, A Woman's Place is Saving the Universe, which I just love. That's uh, <laughs> good. I know. So if you are kind of of the persuasion or the, of the belief that comic books are uh, don't feature strong female protagonists that is not historically accurate so in this book the spectacular sisterhood of superwomen you will meet all of like some of the most fascinating characters from uh, that who have populated comic books from the very beginning including some of your you know ones that you were perfectly aware of wonder woman miss marvel um, some maybe lesser known uh, characters like miss fury and gail allen the book includes vintage art and publication details and is really just like a decade-by-decade decade survey of industry trends, women's roles in comics, and spotlights on uh, iconic female characters. Um, so it's not the, – the point of the book is that not only do strong female characters belong in comic books, but they have, in fact – always been there and it's not a new thing in the medium so go check that out if you're into comics or history at all so that's the spectacular sisterhood of superwomen awesome female characters from comic book history by hope nicholson okay mm -hmm. um it's you it is me the next question is from anna who says i'm looking for essays that'll help open my eyes to the world i'm taking literature next year in school but i feel like i'm not ready for it yet and reading essays may help me become more sensitive to words etc Please help. That's an interesting question, too. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to think about essays that have amazing words in them, and I am going to recommend The Empathy Exams by Leslie Jameson, which is a very wide-ranging essay collection. She covers a lot of different things. Um, the opening essay that the book takes its title from is about her experience as a medical actor. Like, this is a real thing where you go in to medical schools and you pretend to have certain diseases 
diseases so that medical students can practice diagnosing you. And also they, they get rated on their bedside manner and like all of these other things. Um, and so it becomes sort of this exercise in like how does empathy work and do these medical students show empathy for these people who are faking diseases and what's it like to fake a disease and, and, and how can you grade on empathy? And it, 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 it twists and turns in interesting ways. Um, and there's a bunch of other really interesting pieces in here too. Like there's this one about a, you know, one of those endurance like super ultra marathons that take place out in the desert amid all of the cacti and there's no trail and like people, you know, injure themselves or get bitten by snakes. And it's like, why would you go do that? <laughs> um, and um, there's, you know, it's very feminist. It's very about women's experiences. Um, but it's also just about, like, you know, reality TV and, like, uh, all of these other, you know, present modern-day concerns. And I think she is very good at words. I, I remember really enjoying her sentences when I read this book. So that's The Empathy Exams by Leslie Jameson. Okay, I picked The Fire This Time, which is edited by Jasmine Ward and has just so many excellent contributors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edwidge Danicat is in it and Claudia Rankin and Isabel Wilkerson, uh, Daniel Jose Older. Natasha Trethewey, just like so many excellent writers are in it. Um, and so it's a jumping off point from James Baldwin's examination of race, um, which was called The Fire Next Time. And so obviously Justin Ward is working off that. So this is a collection of essays about race, specifically in America, um, in the current political climate. So there's, uh, I mean, it covers just so many different aspects of like being black in America. There's essays about like being black and having to deal with stuff like Rachel Dolezal. And um, there's a really, I wish I could remember which contributor wrote it, but there's such an excellent essay about growing up black in the South and the discovering outcast, like the music of outcast. Um, Oh yeah. That one was so good. Like such a punch in the gut. Like the the idea that like the black experience isn't limited to New York or LA, especially consider what was going on at hip hop at the time. Um, then there, there was another one. Oh, Daniel Jose Older contributes an yes. essay about Mary. His wife is black. And then, like, they got married, I think, in outside of the country. And then when they were coming back, it was during, uh, it was right during one of the shoot, the, like, I mean, who, there's so many. Like, one of the shootings of an unarmed, innocent black kid uh, who was killed by a cop. And, like, Daniel Jose Holder is contemplating, like, do I bring my wife and my potential kids back into this country where this kind of thing happens. And like, what am I, what do I say to her? And it's just like this heartbreaking thing. Uh, But there's so many different perspectives and so many different aspects of the black experience that the essays address. Uh, Some of them are poems. So you're going to get a lot of different uh, writing styles here, uh, which for a student I think is really helpful. So yeah, so that's the fire this time. A new generation speaks about race uh, edited by Jasmine Ward. Okay. Question six is from L. L says, um, my request, happy lady adventure stories, please. <laughs> I'm tired of love and crime. I'd like to spend some time with a woman protagonist who's excited about something else. Food, coding, travel, fashion, the Olympics, fiction and nonfiction welcome. Uh, 30 plus protagonists also. A few have enjoyed it, I've enjoyed in the past. Uh, Radiance by Catherine Valente, a, ta- a Tale for the Time Being by Ozeki, Serve It Forth by M.F.K. Fisher, uh, The Customer of the Country by Edith Wharton. Thank you for any suggestions you can throw my way. Okay, um, I will go. I I maybe ignored a little bit the happy part and went with just like lady adventure doing a thing that's not being in love or solving a crime. So I went with Lab Girl by Hope Jaren. This is a memoir of a woman who is super excited about science. And oh my goodness, hold on. Sorry, my cat just jumped on my lap and got tangled up in my mic cord. Oh no! <laughs> okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. Okay, so Lab Girl, um, 
yes, is a memoir. Hope Jaron studies trees and flowers and like the life cycles of trees. Um, and so it's very much a, like a contemplative about nature and um, plants and like their life cycles and how they mimic humans and all of that. But mostly it's about her experience as a not like not from a wealthy background, trying to put herself through college, dealing with sexism in, in um, STEM, basically, and then how she created this career out of nothing and, ha- and how she ended up with her own lab, the struggles that she had to go through to constantly find money um, to, to like make her to fund her laboratories uh, when really what she wanted to be doing was like the science, but so much of her job now is about fundraising. Um, there's a really great story, not story, but like a thread that runs through the whole thing about her and her best friend, whose name is Bill, I think. Bill or Bob? Bill, yes. Um, who is like her lab assistant, who she meets very early in her career, and then he, they like become just the best of friends. And it's one of the rare examples of like a really deeply important platonic uh, friendship. Um, and it's just, she does have like a personal romance. Like she, she does fall in love. She gets married. I think she has a kid, but it's so much not about that. Like it's so much about her career and her passion for science and the truth and data. And, um, also about a little bit about her mental illness. She has bipolar disorder, I think. And so, um, if you listen, if you like audiobooks, you can listen to it on audio. She narrates it. And there are moments that are just heartbreaking where she, like, as the narrator starts the crying and it's just so affecting and lovely and, and hard and great. And I just loved it. So, um, it is about this grand adventure of her life. It has many, many happy moments. I wouldn't call it necessarily a happy book, but, um, woman goes off, lives her life and does a thing that isn't just about like a dude. So yay. So that's lab girl by hope Jaren. All right. I am giving you one of my comfort reads because <laughs> I really wanted to give you like a 30 plus protagonist one, but all of them were about crime. Like apparently the only books with older women I've read are mysteries. I don't know how that happened. Um, but you mentioned Loving Radiance by Catherine Valenti. And I have found that people, even if people are hip to her, they don't always pick up her kids books which is a mistake because they're delightful. Uh Um, Like, if you just want something fun and enjoyable that also, like, is smart, you cannot go wrong. It's uh, The first one is The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland. And it is about a girl named September who is just, like, dying to go on an adventure. And she, the West Wind comes along and whisks her away into Fairyland. Of course, it's not that easy. She has to go through all kinds of, like, jump through some hoops. Um, And then she immediately becomes sucked into this adventure where there is a terrible queen, of course, and she has to help uh, save the kingdom. And there is a wyvernary, which is the product of when a library and a wyvern have a baby, which is amazing. Um... There's all kinds of snarky, funny, magical characters. And September is such a grump. Like, she's a really sort of, like, sullen child. And it's so entertaining to see her interacting with all of these different, you know, fairy land creatures. Um... It does have, like, a sad, beating heart to it, but it, it it's also super delightful, and that's the nice balance of this book, is that it's very enjoyable, but it doesn't feel um, slight. It feels like it has a real weight that makes the delightful parts even better. So that's The Girl Who Circumna- Circumnavigated Fairyland Woo! by Catherine Valenti. And all of them are really great. There's, like, five now. It's amazing. 
Uh, okay, so our next question is from, am I allowed to ask this? Very <laughs> entertaining. Who says, I am a super recent college grad who is semi-well-read, uh, long-time avid reader of everything, and, and has been a lit major. My favorite way to pick books is to ask a bookseller their favorite book of all time or their current favorite read. So what are the books that you would hand sell currently if you could or did hand sell a lot when you were booksellers? Uh, and let's see. I, I've listened to every episode of the podcast, so I know most of your very frequently recommended <laughs> books. Uh, that's a nice be like, recommend something else there. Yeah. Um, okay. We feel that. Uh, yeah, we, we, we hear you. We hear you. All right, Amanda. Okay. Um so the book that I most frequently hand-sold when I was a bookseller was uh, Shine, Shine, Shine by Lydia Nutzer, but I've talked about it on the show several times before, so I, I, I assume you've already heard me say it since you just said that you had. So um, I'm going to talk about a new book that I have been, I guess, the equivalent of hand-selling now, making all of everybody I know read it and shoving it into their faces, and that is Done Dirt Cheap by Sarah Nicole Lemon. This is a contemporary YA novel that just came out in March, and it is so great. It is like Sons of Anarchy, Thelma and Louise, but with teenage girls. So Tourmaline and Virginia are the two main characters. Tourmaline is, um, they're 18, so they are young adults, like they're, they've, grad, they've graduated from high school. Um, Tourmaline is the daughter of the president of a biker gang in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, and she is very uninvolved in the biker gang activities and really just wants to get out of Roanoke, wants to go off. She's, you know, she's going to college in the fall. She wants to be a, like a kindergarten teacher. She wants to go have the life that is essentially the opposite of the life of a daughter of a biker gang president. Um, also, she's dealing with how at 15, her mom she accidentally sent her mom to prison. Her mom OD'd on some heroin and Tourmaline called the police. The police showed up and eventually her mother ended up in jail. So she has a lot of guilt about that. Virginia is the other main character. Um, when she was 15, her mother sold her to a local lawyer. Her mother had a DUI, didn't have money to pay the lawyer to get out of it, and instead gave the lawyer her daughter. And so he's obviously skeezy and is using her as kind of a low-level thug, drug dealer, um, gopher kind of a person. She And so the lawyer says, uh, the lawyer gives Virginia the um, task of befriending Tourmaline and getting deep into this biker gang and finding out stuff about them that he can use. Um, and so that's what happens. But then through a series of events, the both girls realize that like the men in their lives do not have their best interests, interests at heart. And they kind of have to take situations into their own hands, uh, and do some like really awesome badassery on motorcycles. So that's what they do. And it's just great. It's a really gritty look at female friendship in rural Virginia, which I mean, the rural anywhere isn't really a setting that you get very, that gets very much representation in YA. Um, and also, you know, they're like, they're working class people. Also a thing that I feel like is a, is very underrepresented in YA. Um, and their friendship is just really, it's just a lovely thing to read. So that's Done Dirt Cheap by Sarah Nicole Lemon. I can vouch for Amanda's hand selling this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard about it like 16 times now. It's amazing. And I'm going to read it. I, I swear to God. I managed to not talk about it for like two weeks. I was very proud of it. I'm really, yeah, I'm very <laughs> proud of you. All right. I double checked and I have never recommended this book on this show because it's never going to be the book that I'm like, oh yes, this is the book that you're looking for because <laughs> it's such a weird book. But I did hand sell. I was amazed actually at how many people were willing to take a chance on it when I was a bookseller. It is Red or Dead by David Peace, and it is one of the last books in the world that I would have thought I would care about. Um, it is a, like, 700-plus page book about the Liverpool Football Club and <laughs> their, like, legendary coach Bill Shankly, who was the coach in the 70s. Um, I don't know anything about 
you know, European football. Like, I know zilch about this. I had never heard of Bill Shankly. I don't care. And yet, somehow, I read a 700-page experimentally written book about the Liverpool Football Club. (laughs) Because David Pease is just that good. And one of the most interesting things, the the best comp for the writing style I can think of is Hilary Mantel. So, like, if you read Wolf Hall or Bring Up the Bodies, like, that kind of style, it's like a little bit stream of consciousness, but David Peace is also super repetitive. Um, Like, he will use the same words and sentences, like, over and over again. Um, But somehow, somehow, like, through alchemy, through literary alchemy, this book is a gem. It's so good. Um, It's so weird. It's just very... Like it sucks you in, and it it and and you find yourself like really just sort of entranced um, by the language and and by the struggles of Bill Shankly to like turn his sort of scrappy you know football club into winners. Um, and then why he retired. It was like a really big deal. He's like very suddenly retired and, and why. Um, and so, uh, and, and Shankly is a very complex character. Like he, it could be, this could be like a political narrative. Like he, he offended people and he was very arrogant and he, you know, but he also had like people were very loyal to him and just seeing his story unfold on this page, on the pages is Somehow it's somehow it's great. So I don't even know how to explain how great it is, but it's really weirdly great. Um, so if you're ready to take on an experimental 700-page book about the Liverpool Football Club, try Red or Dead by David Peace. I, just I, just to say, I am not the only person who is obsessed with this. Preeti, my our, my good friend and one of our Book Riot and Book Riot Comics contributors, has a tattoo, uh, like a word phrase tattoo from this book. So it's not just me. Um, I swear. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yes, she does. She has a tattoo from Red or Dead. We he was we got him to come to a Book Rages party at BEA one year. Mm. And he, I think, was a little terrified of us. We were like, we fangirled at him, and he was like, who are these, like, you know, 30-something girl, American girls who are obsessed with my book about the Liverpool Football Club? (laughs) All right, I'll stop talking about this now. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Our last question is from Karen. Karen says, I'm hoping you can recommend some books to help me get my literary fiction mojo back. I've always read widely across genres, and until a couple of years ago, literary fiction was liberally sprinkled among sci-fi, fantasy, crime, and YA. Skip ahead to now, and with a baby, health issues, and a demanding job, I find myself increasingly reaching for books that have a low threshold for entry. Not bad or poorly written ones, but ones that don't require me to do the mental establishing work that is often required in literary fiction. Um... So I suppose what I'm looking for is literary fiction with some of the characteristics and pleasures of genre fiction to help me get over the hurdle of the first page and rediscover interesting prose, engaging characters, and formal experimentation. Let's see. Uh, for reference, some of her faves are Margaret Atwood, A.S. Byatt, Kate Atkinson. Um, I am conscious this is by no means this is by no means uh, a diverse list and would welcome an expanded perspective. P.S. No sad literary bros living their sad literary lives in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. <laughs> Okay, noted. All right, um, I will just keep going. So my pick for you is The Man with the Compound Eyes by Wu Ming Yi, and it's translated by Daryl Sturck. And this is just so weird. It's like, it's so it's, yes. definitely, it's definitely literary fiction. Um, so but good. I, but it has like a, a fantastical, magical realism thing happening. So if you're trying to get back into literary fiction, I think this is a, a good entry point because it's still got some of that fantastical stuff going on. Um, 
So you're going back and forth between the island of Waio Waio, which is uh, like somewhere in the Pacific off the coast of Taiwan, thousands of miles, where um, a group of indigenous people live, but they have had very little encounters with people from like outside of their island. Um, somebody has come to this island because one of the women like had a kid with him, but other than that, they don't have any encounters really with the outside world. Um, and so you're following a boy who lives, he's 15. And in this society, every second son has to leave when they turn 15 and sacrifice themselves to the sea God. So they like, essentially they have to die. They swim off out into the wild blue deep. Um, and Atelier is this boy. He has to go and do that thing. He's a great swimmer and a very strong sailor. Um, and so as he's swimming, he, you know, has kind of succumbed or like accepted the fact that this is how he's going to die. Instead of dying, he lands on a trash island. Like the, I'm sure you've heard about it. It's like been in the news before that like giant plastic vortex that's like somewhere out in the Pacific. He like lands on it and sets up a home and like fishes off the coast of his trash island. And, um, discovers pens and like all this kind of stuff that he's doing. Meanwhile, you're following another character named Alice who lost her husband and her son in a climbing accident. Uh, they live in Taiwan and she is like very quietly getting her life in order so that she could commit suicide. Um, and cause she just like feels like she has nothing left to live for. Uh, she lives in a house that her husband built her on the coast. And then her plan is interrupted when a uh, tidal wave brings the trash Island with this boy on it and destroys her home, and then she meets the boy, and then onward they go um, to the through the rest of the book, and I don't want to, you know, spoilers or whatever. So it's just very odd. Like, indigenous boy on trash island meets very depressed professor trying to solve the mystery of how her son and, and husband died. So, like, there's a lot going on. There's some supernatural characters. Um, it's got a very low point of entry like a small island with an ind indigenous culture that does that's not complicated and then alice who lives in a, a house by herself like so you're not having to world build or any of that sort of thing uh, i think it would just be a good re-entry point so that's the man with the compound eyes by uh, wu ming yi cosine i also <laughs> picked a book uh with some magical realism in it it's very short and the author is amazing so if you like this one you should read everything he's ever written it is exit west by mosin hamid which came out just this year um and is about two young people who live in an unnamed middle eastern is the assumption um country that is on the brink of civil war um and nadia is very independent but also like you know, kind of working the system a little bit to her advantage. And then Saeed is like a very quiet, sort of gentle person. Um, and they fall for each other and start having an affair as the city is crumbling around them. Um, and then they, like, things get to the point where they're like, we have to go. Um, and in this in this concept, doors, there are special doors, there are regular doors, and then there are special doors that will take you somewhere else. And you don't know where you're going to end up when you walk through the door. But they're like, well, we just can't stay here anymore. So, you know, they find the guy who runs the door and pay him all their money, and they walk through the door. And they try to make a new life where they land and, and, and they don't end up staying in one place. I mean, it's a refugee story, right? Like it's a very clear metaphor for the refugee experience. Um, but what's so great about it is that 
It really focuses so much on their relationship and how that evolves and changes as they search for a place to be. But then there's also these great little vignettes of like them being in certain places temporarily and like what those places are like for them. Um, so it's it's a it's a little bit of like I don't want to say adventure story, but like a little bit. It's like a, it's like the Odyssey in a way. Like you're landing in all of these different places, and you're you know you're not going to stay for that long, but you get a feel for what's going on there, and then it's on to the next place and how your relationship with people change and grow and work and don't work and all of that stuff so I just really I loved this book I thought it was beautifully written I thought the metaphor was really well drawn um and he's just a great writer I've loved everything I've read by him so that's Exit West by Mohsen Hammond and that's our show hooray <laughs> thank you so much for listening to my weird Delilah after dark ramblings <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> please do leave us a review or a rating on iTunes and thank you so much to our sponsors for sponsoring the show we will talk to you all next week